Greetings in the Lord Jesus. Good to be back again. It feels like a little while since I preached here. I had scheduled myself uh, one particular Sunday, and Daniel Miller showed up that Sunday, so we uh, turned it over to him. Last time I preached, I spoke on able to admonish, and we talked about uh, Matthew 18, 15 to 17, those verses being somewhat uh, a principle of addressing matters between people on the lowest possible level or the least involved level. I'd like to go to Matthew 18 again today and talk about the other Matthew 18 way. Usually when we talk about following Matthew 18, we're talking about verses 15, 16, 17, very familiar to us. But there's another Matthew 18 way that's, that I think is actually more important and more foundational even. And uh, you can't take the 15 to 17 way without first taking this way. So. And that's the way of forgiveness, the other Matthew 18 way. So let's start at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Tell seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and besought him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Now I know the King James says worshipped, but uh, margin says besought, and I think it's the same word that's used a little later, so that's why I read it that way. The servant therefore fell down and besought him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very, very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. So forgiveness is a part of life, we know that, and uh, it's a part that we 
if we're very human, have to exercise fairly often probably. Well, let's think about forgiveness. I need to get this thing to quit jerking on me. Eventually we'll get this right. All right. We forgive. First, we forgive because we are forgiven, because we were forgiven. Verses 24, 25 here, you think about this man who came to his master. He owed 10,000 talents, and you hear about how much all that is, but it was an unpayable debt. He couldn't do it. He never got it done, even all, all his life if he'd have worked. We have an unpayable debt. We are condemned to hell eternally because of our sin. There's nothing we can do about it. We could work as hard as we want to all our lives. The master here freely forgave, verse 27. He was moved with compassion. He loosed him. God freely forgave us that debt. And now there's no more condemnation. There's no more guilt. We've been adopted. We've been born again. We're part of his family. We have a new spirit, the Holy Spirit. We have eternal life. We have oodles of blessings, more than we could mention in five, ten minutes or, or half an hour or whatever. Just we're blessed beyond, beyond description. We've been forgiven. Therefore, we forgive. And that servant that had been forgiven so much, he had no call to go out and treat a fellow servant that way. <laughs> That's why Jesus told the parable, to help us see that. And God's command for us to forgive is in light of his forgiveness of us. He says, I have forgiven you. You must forgive too. And when you start to find it difficult... <laughs> To forgive, and, and sometimes we do, sometimes more than others, it might do some good to take some time and go back and think about the Lord Jesus and the cross and what he did for us, that we could be forgiven. And it might help us to be more forgiving, to remember what it costs to forgive us. We forgive because we were forgiven. Next point, we must forgive if we are to remain forgiven. Say it that way on purpose, I guess. We've been forgiven. If we want to stay forgiven, we have to keep forgiving. We must forgive if we are to remain forgiven. The end of the chapter here makes that plain. So you had this servant who went out and, and wrung the neck of his fellow servant and threw him in prison. And then the, his Lord heard about it and came to him and said, Look, I forgave you all that. Why can't you forgive your brother? If we do not forgive, we will not see God. Rather, we'll see eternity in hell. Kind of plain there in verse 34. His Lord was wroth, delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay it all. Even if we profess Jesus, profess to be his child, if we're holding grudges, if we keep that inside us, we are going the wrong way. We're heading for the wrong eternity. 
hell, the fire, the torment, the darkness, outside of God's presence, all the evil that's there, a truly hellish existence, I guess you would call it. What else could you call it? Jesus taught this rather plainly, the Lord's Prayer, which we pray fairly often. There's one phrase in there, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Really? How do you do? How forgiven would you be? How forgiven would I be? And after the prayer there in Matthew 6, Jesus added this to explain, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Mark 11 is similar. Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, if you have anything against anyone, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Very clear teaching from the Lord Jesus. To not forgive separates us from God. And it's true even when we say we've forgiven and still hold that grudge in our heart and still pull up that incident that happened and repeat it to someone else or whatever and begin to show that, no, we haven't actually forgiven. We must forgive if we're to remain forgiven. It's a spiritual law. And I was thinking about, okay, so our government makes laws, and we can break them, go against them, and get away with it sometimes. Spiritual laws, like physical laws, you can, well, we talk about breaking them. <clears throat> Think about gravity, for example. So, uh, got Brent up there. If he were to step out the window off the uh, uh, balcony, there's a, a law that comes into effect. It's called gravity. I guess we could say he broke it. But guess what? <laughs> he didn't break it. He experienced it. Spiritual laws are that way too. We don't just break them. They break us. When we step outside of God's law, it's us that lose. And it's not the law that's broke. <laughs> it's us. There are always consequences when you step outside of spiritual law. So James says, he shall have judgment without mercy. That hath shown no mercy. Same idea. You do not forgive. You cannot be forgiven. Only judgment. We must forgive if we are to remain forgiven. Now, forgiveness knows no limitations. That's the next main point. I've got about three, maybe it's four, I'm not sure, minor points under that. Forgiveness knows no limitations. 
in the number of transgressions. So you look at verses 21 and 22, and Peter comes with this question and says, Lord, is seven times enough? And, well, yeah, I, we understand how he feels here. <laughs> it happened again. What's the matter with this man anyway, or this woman, or this person? Why can't he act like he's supposed to act? And, and we find it hard to keep on forgiving somebody. But Jesus said, no, not seven, 490. What he actually said was, don't count. Don't count. If you're counting, you're not forgiving. And I don't know how many times I've sat with someone who came with a, a grudge or a problem against someone, and the next thing you know, they're bringing up this one and this one and this one and this one from the past. Some of them even <laughs> long before the last communion, which I think somewhere in our rules and discipline says you're not supposed to do that, bring up things from the past once you've expressed peace had and with this person and then you're still showing unforgiveness. No limitations in the number of transgressions. And if you're counting, if you're keeping track, you're not forgiving. No limitation, secondly, in the size or the nature of the offense. You look at what the Lord Jesus did for us, look at our offenses. It was unpayable, biggest imaginable. The Lord forgave it. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. They unjustly mocked him and scourged him and killed him, did all the terrible things that God's son, who was doing it for them. And he said, Father, forgive them. But <laughs> this is my reputation at stake. Somebody's saying something against me, or some biting remark or hurting remark, it hurts. And I don't like it, and it makes me mad. He cheated me. Well, I wasn't invited. Someone moved on, maybe, or broke a contract, or broke a confidence. Maybe it was a murder. Y'all remember Sasha Krauss four or five years ago? What if it was your daughter or your sister? The nickel mines and the Amish brigade. There's nothing too great to forgive when we remember what God forgave us. Forgiveness knows no limitations. Thirdly, in its being given 
freely and giving it freely. There's no strings attached. Verses 26 and 27, when the Lord forgave us, he didn't say, if you pay some of it back, if you serve me the rest of your life, if anything there, <laughs> he just forgave it. The servant didn't even ask to be forgiven. He just asked for time to pay. The Lord just offered it freely to us. We should do the same. We don't give it grudgingly. We should forgive even while the offense is happening. The Lord Jesus did. We should forgive without being asked to. And some people say, no, I didn't forgive him. He hasn't asked me. Well, that's not part of the equation. God says forgive. We forgive whether or not he ever comes back and asks forgiveness. Stephen was another good example of someone who forgave even while the stones were flying. No limitation in how freely it's given. And so that rules out any thoughts of retaliation. It rules out any, anything but, but love. It does not rule, returning out, rule out returning good for evil. We could go to Matthew 5 and, and read what Jesus said to do there when people treat you wrong to show them love. Well, there has to be some forgiveness for that to happen. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Return good for evil. Be like God and let your sun shine on both the evil and the good, even the one who's treating you evil. So Romans does say, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And it's right in the context of returning good for evil and forgiving. And yet, when I'm forgiving, I won't be thinking, well, you're going to get yours sometime too. Yes, that's true. God will punish people who sin and don't repent. But when we're forgiving, that's not what we want from the person who's hurting us. We want, we love him. We want good. So the master here in verse 27 was moved with compassion. The Lord, our God himself, was moved with compassion toward us and took action to save us. Think about the Lord Jesus there in the garden when Peter took a whack at that man's head to hook his ear off. Well, the Lord Jesus reached out and touched it, healed it. Think about him on the cross after facing all of that. Still, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No strings attached. Some people kind of throw a smoke screen up and, and try to hide behind it. I can't forgive him because God hasn't forgiven him. Well, phooey. <laughs> they are two different things. Doesn't matter whether God forgave him or not. You must forgive. There, and the fact that you forgive him doesn't mean God did forgive him. But you have to. I have to. This is between 
him and me, I must forgive if I'm going to receive God's forgiveness, period. No strings attached. The master forgave it all to us as far as the east is from the west. And it stays that way unless we change. He didn't say, we don't say, not if he pays part of it back, not if he does better from now on, not if he stops talking about me. Even if the offender is unrepentant and might do it again, even if we suspect he will do it again, or even if we know he will do it again, we forgive. No, we can't do that in our own power, I know. Well, let's go on. Next point. Forgiveness forgets. Yeah, and we throw out the smoke screen there sometimes too and say, well, it's impossible to forget things. Well, that's true. We don't always forget things. In at least one sense, we don't forget, I'm sure. But, well, okay, verses 21 and 22. Keep on forgiving. <laughs> that's the way we forget. So sometimes we get hurt pretty bad and we forgive and tomorrow morning we get up and all of a sudden we realize we got to do this again and again and again and again. That's what I'm talking about when I say forget. Choose to forget. <laughs> Choose to forgive every time and keep on. Forgiveness wipes the slate clean every time. Secondly, here, thinking about forgiveness, forgetting, it must be from the heart. Verse 35 tells us that. Like, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. How do you forgive from the heart? What well, has to be a heart motivated by love? And sometimes we're thinking, well, I'm not so sure I love him. Well, you know as well as I do that love doesn't necessarily mean a warm, fuzzy feeling. It means a choice where I want the best for this person. And I want the best for myself, and so I'm going to obey my Lord and forgive. That's from the heart, when it's a choice that I make because I love God, because I love him. And if I truly love someone, I can, can ignore some faults. I can let some things pass. My wife can get away with some things you can't, maybe, because I love her, really. Uh, well, I'm supposed to love you, too. Okay. <clears throat> well, you know how it is, how it should be. And so, for it to be from the heart, it has to be a decision of the will. I will not hold this against him. I won't allow those ill feelings to rise up in me, and I'm not going to give them a place, and I'm not going to pull them out and look at them and play with them and let them grow. I won't allow myself to want to not forgive. That's hard work, by the way. 
<clears throat> you can't do it in your own power. I can't do it in my own power. 1 Corinthians 13.5 does say about charity, it thinketh no evil. So the New American Standard says it does not take into account the wrong suffered. The NIV says it keeps no record of wrongs. Love forgets. Yeah, I can remember some things I've had to forgive years ago. I suspect there's a lot I don't remember anymore because I chose not to let them keep bothering me. We can choose to forget. And we may not actually literally forget, but it is possible to choose and to re-choose and to choose again and then repeat as necessary. <laughs> That's forgetting. All right, so I'm still thinking about forgiveness, forgetting. Forgiveness is an attitude we have to cultivate. It's an attitude we have to cultivate. We even have to plan. We all know that things are going to happen to us that we don't like, that somebody sometime or other is going to say something that hurts a little or maybe a lot. And it's just simply good policy to uh, think about that Ask the Lord's grace and wisdom now and plan how you can respond in a way that shows forgiveness. Plus, it's simply an attitude we have to cultivate where I don't matter that much. What matters is my response. Is it going to please God or is it not? Well, I want it to. And so I think about it. So... I've made some determinations. I'm going to love you even if you don't treat me nice. I'm going to respond correctly by God's grace even if you do treat me wrong. I'm going to forgive. I know that it's necessary and that's what I want because I love the Lord. It's just part of life. And life is full of opportunities. There are big ones and there are small ones. Maybe just one example from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll read a few verses. These are, should be familiar verses to us. Talking to servants. We are all good Americans. We don't like being servants, having to serve other people, people telling us what to do. Naturally, we don't at least. And so in 1 Peter 2.18, Peter says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. Froward here means perverse. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if you be buffeted for your fault, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes 
you were healed. For we were as sheep going astray, but we have returned unto the shepherd and bishop for our souls, and we follow him. Forgiveness is not passive. Forgiveness is not passive. The, the picture you have here in uh, 25, 26 of this first man coming to his master, he's not coming and saying, will you forgive me? And, uh, and the, the Lord saying, yes, I will. The master took the initiative. In this case, he said, look, you can't do this. I'm just going to forgive you. And it's true the way the Lord did us. He offers it freely to us. Nothing we did or can do could have made him do it. And he took the loss, we could say, himself. And I will insert this here. If someone comes to you and asks forgiveness, don't treat it so lightly. Don't say, oh, it didn't matter. It, it might be okay to say, well, I hadn't thought about it. And that's, but anyway, just say, I forgive you. <laughs> Give them what they need. That's a little beside the point. But anyway, forgiveness is not passive. We need to show that we've forgiven. Think about Dirk Willems running from his slave catcher and he falls into, through the ice. Well, he goes back and pulls him out. He proved to him that he cared about this man. And we'd like to think, yeah, I'd do that too. But then we find it sort of hard to forgive. Years ago, long enough ago that nobody, none of the ordained men in here remember it anyway, we were in a district council meeting and it was actually it was the whole Virginia, West Virginia district at the time and saw something there that I'd never actually saw happen before. I was still fairly young but an older brother openly slandered somebody else who was there. I mean he just was right out said it was pretty awful. <laughs> and the meeting went on. But what I remember about the brother who got slandered was after the closing prayer, he got up and went over and talked to that older brother. He greeted him, and they talked friendly. And uh, that made an impression. <laughs> That's a good idea. Show people that you've forgiven. Don't ignore them. Don't stay away. Yeah, I know, once burnt, twice careful. <laughs> And there's some room for being careful. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Heap coals of fire on his head. Why do you heap coals of fire on somebody's head? Well, do it because that's the loving thing to do, the right thing to do. I think sometimes we fall into doing it to try to make him feel uh, regret or, or to feel guilty for treating us like he did. That's not the reason to do it. 
That happens sometimes when we respond in love, but that is not the reason to do it. We're not trying to make him feel bad by returning good for evil. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do, and we're letting our sun shine on the bad guy as well as the good guy. <clears throat> and yes, if the offending person, the person who's hurt you or maybe sinned against you, the brother or sin, the brother or sister, then you may need to go back to verses 15 and 17. 15 to 17 and, and talk to him himself, not to others. But you're not ready to do it until you've been through the rest of the chapter, until we're sure we've forgiven. And the reason we're going is because we love him and care about him, not because he mistreated me. And I want to see it made right. Forgiveness is not always easy to maintain. The devil, we have an enemy that sees to that, and he's out there shooting these darts at us. And I think those darts often come in the form of, of trying to get us to think those wrong thoughts. And we just need to put up the shield of faith and say, nope, I've forgiven. I'm going to keep on forgiving. I'm not going to think that way takes a constant diligence, a constant faith, a constant trusting in God. Last main point I have here is forgiveness costs. It costs whatever is involved. Sometimes it's money. If we say, I forgive, that's it. He doesn't have to pay it back. costs the right to be upset and carry that grudge. It costs the right to, to want to see that person get what he deserves. It costs you the right to give him a piece of your mind. So forgiveness is, is just another aspect of denying the self-life, taking God's way. It's, it is a foundational, fundamental aspect of the Christian life. And if we aren't practicing it, we can't call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. We can't claim a, a hope of eternity in heaven. We're going the wrong way, and if we don't repent, we're going to end up in the wrong place. So, sure, forgiveness costs something. That's part of what forgiveness is, saying, I give that up. But in the light of eternity, that's no cost. It keeps the, the channels of God's grace open to us, keeps our relationship clear, and that's worth everything. Freely we have received, freely we've been forgiven, let's forgive. Let's have a song.